On today's show, we're going to discuss our individual scouting philosophies as it pertains to roster building the WNBA and a way too early preview of the 2023 WNBA draft, including M's top four prospects and a couple sleepers you need to know. You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So welcome. You are Locked On Women's Basketball. My name is Hunter Cruz, and I'm the new Saturday host covering the WNBA draft and college basketball at large. Thanks for making Locked On Women's Basketball your first listen every day. And remember, Locked On Women's Basketball is available. It's free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is you covered with more props and odds and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. I'm joined by my co-hosts M. Adler and Joshua Welch. M. is a beat writer for the Seattle Storm, in addition to his plethora of work at the Knicks. Joshua is a women's basketball content creator and can be found at ENFP underscore hoops on Twitter. All right, guys, let's let's start with some of our scouting team building philosophies. Um, they kind of intersect in a way. Um, both. And they both generate to the same outcome. So I'll, I'll send it to you first, Joshua. Yeah, uh, my ideal picture of like a, building a title contender is the Chicago Sky, even though they were uh, knocked out in the second round this past playoffs. But um, just how deep they are and just the, the star power that they have and everything and Copper and Parker. Uh, and then just being able to bring players, dynamic players off the bench and Rebecca Gardner and Azare Stevens, like uh, – it honestly frustrated me a lot <laughs> that the Las Vegas Aces won the title. I said all season that that bench was going to come back to bite them, and it never did because of how talented they were in that starting lineup and everything. So obviously a lot of ways to build a title contender, uh, but I love having major depth pieces that can come off the bench and you're still able to run efficiently and everything along with those star players. Yeah, I would say versatility is extremely important, being able to do different matchups in the playoffs. I think the first thing you have to get out of the way, or the first couple things, is one, you need a star. You need a superstar to win in this league. You need a superstar to win in any professional basketball league. That's how this sport works, but especially in the WNBA. Winning a title without a top three player in the sport is essentially impossible. And Beyond that, you need to know what you're doing. You need to have something you're trying to get to on offense, on defense. Maybe you're trying to get to the two-player pick-and-roll game. Maybe you're trying to get to a high-low action. Maybe you're trying to space a post-up. Maybe on defense, it's smash-mouth defense. Or you're trying to frustrate people through through switches and hedges. Either way, you need to have that in mind. And you're, the best players on your team need to be able to do that really well. So you, mentioned, you sort of mentioned that there, but... Um... There's many ways you can win, but overall, it's the process. So, like, we'll see what some teams, like uh, the Indiana Fear, for example, they they went and Melissa Smith, then they um, then they caught us off guard with that Lexi Hole pick. It, it made no sense, and even to their roster and where they were going with their team, it didn't make much sense, as they could have benefited from having more defense on the wing, someone that could um, provide more versatility off their off their star Kelsey Mitchell and Melissa Smith and. Her versatility. Um, I was caught even more off guard when they picked uh, Queen Egbo. And that worked out well for them. So what do I know? Yeah. Qu- Queen, Um, she actually, I think, brings some 
versatility, I would say, on defense. And so just I wouldn't say she's completely a paint-bound big. She can at least play at, at the level of the screen sometimes and provide some versatility there. She's um, solid there. And they got lucky with Henderson. Like, like, like I felt like they missed on that. <laughs> they got her later on, but yeah. Yeah. Some real solid bench paces for for a long time here. So like you said, with um, you need a top three player. I'm, I'm going to run through the past 10 or so players that – um, I mean, the last 10 or so champions that have had a player that was like a top 10 player, all, all WNBA caliber. So this past season we had Aja Wilson, Candace Parker, Brianna Stewart, Elena Deladon, Stewie again, Sylvia Fowles, Neka Agumake, Sylvia Fowles, Brittany Griner, and then that's where it led us to Minnesota. They won a championship without a team, without a post a post star player. They had Maya Moore, one of the best players this at least league has ever seen. But that kind of like, so if you're entering the season trying to say, okay, who's going to win a championship? That immediately takes away like four teams. So I, I, it it's this is common in most professional sports, but more in the WNBA because there's only 12 teams. If you're removing four out of the picture already that aren't contenders, and then you add maybe two or three that don't have the guard talent, um, the champions can sometimes be more obvious than they really are. But is there anything else that you guys would say you value when you're trying to scout a prospect um, and just your prospect and your pros- process in that in general? I'll send that to you, M. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned all those dominant posts that have won the past decade's worth of titles. The one thing that also pops up, at least in my head, that I realized with those past few teams is these days you can't win a title also without having a real dynamic perimeter shot-creating guard. You know, uh, you had Kelsey Plum and obviously Chelsea Gray's historic finals run this past year, the year before you're looking at... Also in that group, you're looking at Jewel Lloyd, you're looking at Christy Tolliver's run, you're looking at what Courtney Vandersloot and Kalia Copper were able to combine for together for the sky. You need to have these different skill sets be able to come together. And I think that's one of the things that really stands out to me the most, or I want to stand out the most when I'm scouting someone, is what are the most valuable things they can do and what value are they going to be able to add to a good team? What is going to set them apart from you know, journey woman players that are going to bounce around teams and are and have skills, but not skills that teams are really willing to pay for, not skills that teams really mo- have moved the needle for them. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I think we can all agree that you're, you're drafting for upside in the WNBA. Like we said, you have to have a star um, more than anything. But also it's the, um, the percent chance they can actually hit that outcome because – there's some players with enticing skill sets, but they might not have the actual skill. Might just be like completely based off their tools, their athleticism. Maybe they're young, like I'll walk queer in a way. Like um, that, that's what's different between someone yeah, like like I'll walk and then another player like Shakira Austin. It's just like the their their room for air and room for success. Just the upside versus um, best the upside versus like stability. That's kind of I would I would word it. Um, and with, yeah. and I mean, with this draft, with having probably mm-hmm. the last group of a significant number of fifth-year players who use that COVID year of eligibility to come back to college, we've got a bunch of players who are solid contributors, solid 22, 23-year-olds in the draft. 
And also we've got some athletic 21-year-olds who the upside's there, but they could also immediately flame out. I'm 100%. also really – oh, and sorry. I'm, I'm also really curious to see uh, players that succeeded at mid-major schools getting big opportunities at some major powerhouses and everything like Abby Myers – um, at Maryland, and then um, Deasha Fair. I'm a big fan of uh, for her starting at Syracuse and everything. Mm-hmm. So, like you said, there's um, when it comes to the scouting WNBA prospects, you have a large sample size. It's not like the NBA where you're more reliant on a player's prep film along with their freshman year film as well. The WNBA, you probably take bits and pieces from those four years to build your evaluation. So I feel like that's another reason we don't see many misses at the top of the draft. I mean, there's the occasional number two, number three pick that flames out, but most players will end up being a rotational player at worst, and then at best they're a star. Like I did a study um, earlier this year where I think it was like almost every number one pick, I think it might have been like one out of like the past 20 number one overall picks, ended up being an all-star caliber player or higher. So that's somewhat different than what we see in the NBA. Um, it can be easier, but it's also tougher because you don't have as many roster spots, not as much time to invest in a developing prospects because they're going to be overseas for half of the year. So you're not going to have that opportunity to have them in house, work with your trainers. One of so, the funny things for me, uh, you were talking about sample size, the most of, I don't, I don't want to say all of it, but a significant portion of in men's basketball, trying to figure out how prospects are going to pan out is trying to project them as shooters. Because you have such a small sample, you have, what, 30 games if you're lucky? And that's nothing for figuring out three-point shooting. You have to, like, look at their free throw splits. You have to look at their form. You have to look at what they did in high school. In the WNBA, we have four years' worth of solid sample sizes. Sometimes you get weird players like Emily Angsler. She shot pretty well from three in college and also terribly from the line. She did the same thing with the fever. Sometimes Sometimes you have those kind of cases. But usually you have players who... They shoot well in college for four years. You know they're going to shoot well in the league. All right. So coming up shortly, we're going to dive into the games of South Carolina's Aaliyah Boston, Stanford's Haley Jones, and plenty more. First, I need to tell you guys about BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for football betting this season. Find all your all the latest player developments, team matchups, news podcasts, in develop, in-depth articles and analysis on every team you can find. The fastest and easy way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Welcome back to the Locked On Wins Basketball Podcast. I'm Hunter Cruz, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, M. Adler and Joshua Welch. M. wrote a wonderful article in the 2023 draft in conjunction with this podcast for the next that will be available in the coming weeks. But now we're just going to... Instead of focusing on the entire draft, we're going to focus this down to the main, the main cream of the crop, the lottery, the his projected, their projected lottery picks, but also just us in general. Um, so I'll turn it to you first, Dan. Yeah, well, you know, for the past what two years, I've had Vols fans get angry at me in mentions at least twice a month during the college season, and I'm looking forward to more of the same this year because they have a few prospects, and I don't have any of them in my lottery. Everyone, presumably, hopefully, has a Leah Boston. South Carolina set a number one overall. We're talking a 6'5 center with a 6'9.5 wingspan. 
that's about that is ridiculous. Not even getting into how incredible she is as a prospect. Haley Jones, Stanford big wing or combo forward. Pretty much everyone also has her as a lottery pick. And then it gets a little dicey. For me, I have Diamond Miller, a wing out of Maryland, and JC Sheldon, a combo guard out of Ohio State, rounding up my top four. So starting with Aaliyah Boston, you mentioned this earlier about whenever you're scouting, looking for that dominant skill. What is that with Aaliyah Boston, and why why is she so coveted as this number one prospect and making the Team USA roster, or almost making the Team USA roster? Why is that? Well, why she is so good is because I can't answer the question of what is her dominant skill set, because frankly, it's most of them. Her footwork is completely immaculate. Her scoring approach and how cerebral she is on offense and on defense is ridiculous. Her ability to alter shots is professional level rim protection stuff. You you almost never see college bigs who provide genuine high level rim protection. And she's and her help defense in the paint is just unbelievable. She's a patient scorer. She's added a more consistent three-point shot over time. She can run the pick and pop. She can run the pick and roll. She can run off ball screens. She is able to get 20 and 20 double doubles even while you watch her and you think that she's being patient and she's not even, and she's not looking for a shot enough the points just come on their own the defense is just unbelievable mm-hmm. and so one thing more impressive about her defense in general is she's not super athletic it's a lot of just her instincts her positioning it's also the strength as well obviously but just how she positions herself to stay vertical instead of drawing foul instead of committing fouls um i think it's just one of the reasons that makes her such a good rim protector and that's i would say that's her best skill right now but she's she she does everything you're kind of looking for in that rim protecting big um yeah yeah, her natural joshua yeah her natural like fluidity and agility doesn't pop Mm -hmm. in the same way someone that like as he does but her footwork gets her in so many positions what about you, Joshua? Yeah, just I, I think it's like last year's draft where uh, for some reason people had close to people close to Ryan, but I think she was the absolute number one pick generational player. And I, I think we're being um, blessed with having two straight years of just having just franchise altering players uh, for the first overall pick and everything. So it's an absolute no brainer that she's the first overall pick for whoever wins that lottery. And uh, yeah, there's some teams that desperately need a center um, with those four teams that could win the pick and everything. The Mystics better Num- not win again, but yeah. <laughs> Number one centers out of South Carolina tend to have a good uh, track record. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, so let's 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 flip the switch to Haley Jones, six foot two combo guard out of Stanford. Um, the main intrigue for her, in my opinion, is her un- unconventional creation creation. Similar to Aaliyah Boston, she's not some major athlete. She's just super cerebral with her processing um, as both a proactive decision maker and also just reactive, understanding when a, when um, she might see a double team or just making plays on the move. I think um, she, she's just super versatile in that way. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of skill here. There is... Sometimes you have prospects who jump off the page in different ways. Sometimes the word skilled is kind of thrown around as a sort of like a back-end compliment for someone whose athleticism is subpar. 
I don't use that as an as a backhand compliment here. I, it's just a she is an incredibly intriguing collection of different abilities. She has that passing ability, but she also plays in a system where she usually knows where her cutters are. There's not a lot of improvisation. She's able to get good scoring in the post, but also doesn't tend to post up very much. She can run a pick and roll, but her pull-up jumper is a little weird. Defensively, I mean, th I think that's where her stardom or possible stardom comes from. Her help defense is incredible. Her ability to be a, a weak, both a weak side rim protector and a point of attack defender against wings is the kind of stuff you don't see very often. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. No, I just... So, oh, sorry, go ahead. So that kind of relates to how you were saying just how she plays out of that Princeton-type offense, flowing out of the elbow and stuff like that. One thing that's it's super limiting just trying to evaluate the prospect is there's, there's just a scripted reads inside of that offense. I feel like we don't see this as much with women's basketball where prospects aren't given as much freedom. So just to judge her processing mostly comes in the open court where there's not any sets or anything. It's just pure, pure decision-making and processing there. But also um, with her as a ball handler, getting downhill, she has, she has a low center of gravity, very strong lower body and just being able to just like kind of lower her shoulder like a running back and just get in there and finish. Um, most of that also comes out of just semi-transition because um, teams are going to – teams, if you have to understand their context, they had a ton of shooters on the wing, so teams are going to want to stay attached to those shooters instead of helping off the corner. So just it, um, having a, a, someone like Haley Jones that can get to the rim um, kind of has that rim gravity in a way. Yeah, and like just watching her film yesterday and everything. I've been watching it uh, leading up to this and everything. It's just I, I feel bad for defenders and just what she can bring and everything. You don't know if she's going to drive to the basket or if she has a, a cutting player to the hoop coming and everything. Like if, if she's able to uh, bring a, a three-point game as well and everything, which she's teased the past two seasons uh, in the tournament and everything, but if she's able to bring that to her game, like I, I, I don't know <laughs> – how anyone's going to stop her and everything. And there won't be as much of a um, divide between her and Boston if she's able to bring that three-point game. Boston, obviously, the number one overall pick, but um, I, I think there would be less of a divide if she's able to bring that just so skilled and so tough to defend. And I definitely think it it makes her a day-one contributor once she's drafted and everything. Haley Jones adding that long-range jumper is something I've sort of been watching for for a little while. It's something that her teammate, the center Cameron Brink, really added down the stretch. She was taking almost two threes a game over basically the second half of the season, and it makes her, gives her a real good argument for the number one pick in two years in that 24 class. But she has, I have questions about the half-court offense, let's say, because, I mean, I totally agree with you guys are saying, and I think the potential there is just off the charts in terms of being able to be a number one or number two playmaker, a number two or number three scorer on a title contender in the WNBA. If she hits it right now, I see a lot of struggles taking people off the dribble and being able to consistently get by smaller defenders. The pull-up jumper, she's a little, I guess, un unstable. I would say, you know, you know, when you're playing pickup basketball and 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 you go for you go for a pull-up jumper, you feel rushed, you know your shoulders aren't aren't square when you take the shot. It feels like a lot of that for her when I'm watching. 
it's not there's not a lot of fixes here to be made just in that there aren't a lot of things that she needs to do to her game right now to you know just sort of get past those hurdles and to be that top flight level scorer i am just hopeful that she's able to do so and that's what i'm keying Mm. on for her yeah two inside exciting prospects so after the break the crew will explore the games of diamond miller and jc sheldon two other potential lottery picks in the 2023 draft and we're back let's now dive into diamond miller of maryland a mobile six foot three forward who leads a retooled and re-energized Terrapin roster. I'll turn it to you first, Joshua. So I know uh, M was saying there's like a, a lot of other potentials for three. I think Diamond Miller is hands down number three in my draft board and everything. I think starting at four, you can interchange it and everything. But I, I think Miller, if she returns to her sophomore form uh, after she suffered the unfortunate injury last season. Uh, She's going to be like a a lead in, same as I said, uh, if Jones plays a certain way, she can get closer to Boston. Miller definitely has that potential. Just a a really quick stat figure really quick. Uh, But at her sophomore season, she averaged 17.3 points off of 50% shooting, 1.33 point makes per game off of 35% shooting, two and a half assists, one steal, and one block. Uh, The only two other players uh, since 2009 that averaged those Figures are uh, Shatori uh, Walker Kimbrough, also with Maryland in 2015, and then Maya Moore, who did it in back-to-back seasons. So incredible company and everything, and yeah, just an incredible dynamic uh, prospect. That again, she can reform, uh, come back to that sophomore form. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, and it's another player that can absolutely be a, a day one starter and a absolute game changer. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to disagree on that point. I myself and certainly everyone that has watched the Terps and isn't necessarily rooting on their downfall just wants her to get back to that form because my goodness she was such a dynamic player in that season her ability to be both a wing scorer who gets downhill and a wing shooter and also provide capable defense against opposing threes was you know, it's the stuff that makes you a lottery pick and makes you a quality lottery pick. She had that injury, like you said, uh, it was, I believe it was a game or a game and a half into this past season. She came back and didn't quite look the athlete that she had the year prior. There were some issues she had in her game that you can look at and you can say that they maybe didn't, they maybe weren't all chalked all able to be chalked up to just that injury. But certainly, I mean, you look at her burst and what she lost there, what she lost in terms of her footwork, getting to that pull-up jumper, and it's it's kind of night and day. The player she was this past year was physically intriguing in terms of the athleticism that we saw in bursts, but I don't think I would possibly imagine her as a, as a lottery pick based on that. Based on last year, I mean, her, her jump shot per synergy dropped from... Uh, in terms of catch and shoot shots, that's that's one of the canaries in the coal mine I look for. She was excellent on uh, open looks in both years, both her sophomore year and her junior year. But she went from being above average in catch and shoot or in contested catch and shoot shots to being um, below the 20th percentile nationwide. Bad drop off. It comes down to me, or to me, it comes down to in having watched her. 
a lot of issues getting her legs under her and feeling confident lifting off. Yeah. And I'm hoping to see so a return she... to form. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, her game's a lot more reliant on athleticism and just um, her burst in general. So um, that's that, that's why her draft her draft range could be like right now we're saying she's in the lottery range, but there's a chance she's maybe closer to eight, seven at that range if she doesn't re- return to form. But as of right now, we have to just wait and see because um, it's it's hard to judge a player coming off an injury, um, especially in a college season where they're the number they're, they're rushing to get back. There's not as much time and um uh where are you guys on her her contacts within Maryland's offense? We've seen them make some some um roster moves, a lot of overturn, um but where are you guys at on that? Yeah, that's going to be fascinating on uh having to play with a, a majorly different lineup and everything with a, a lawsuit um, out of there and everything like uh, it's going to be interesting her having to be more relied on and everything angel rescott as well and everything so uh i i'm really think we're going to see a return uh to her sophomore form i, I think she's going to take that bell and everything and uh prove she's a lottery pick and everything at least that's what i'm hoping because it was so much fun to watch her uh that sophomore run and everything and she absolutely has the potential uh, to be a lottery pick. And even if she doesn't return to that form this season, everything like it takes a little while to recover. If someone like the dream is able to take her at eighth, it's going to be an absolute steal and everything, just throwing out a random team. But uh, yeah, <laughs> very <laughs> random. Of course. That, that, that last part, just about the, about the talent changing, I think is one of the things that gets into a personal scouting philosophy of mine. And one that's, you know, obviously important is considering the context and being able to, look at different ears in and consider their different contexts. So this was a big thing with Kirsten Bell, for example, this past year. She played most of her minutes at the five for FGCU, Florida Gulf Coast, despite standing 6'1 and having about an average, maybe a little above average wingspan for her height. She played the five in one of the worst conferences in Division I. You, gotta, you look at her film and you see a lot of scoring that a 6-1 player couldn't possibly do in the league. It was a lot of driving. It was post-ups against players who were quite literally 5-7. You knew that was never going to happen in the W. You go back and watch your film for her freshman year at Ohio State, it tells a different story, and you can see different contributions. To me, with Diamond Miller, if the athleticism returns, that is, I think, for me, the key to her being a knock-on lottery pick, no doubt. It's unfortunate that we're not going to get to see the athleticism return with the talent she had before, mm-hmm. because it's 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 a significant downgrade for Maryland. They're losing one of the best post players in the nation in Angel Reese. They're losing one of the couple best point guards in the country in in uh, Ashley Wusu. It's going to be a lot harder for her, and she's going to be asked to do things that you probably wouldn't ask of your three in the league. So yeah, we're going to see her explore just a lot of. Um, just a lot of different like, tough changes, and her, her role is not going to be as standard as Haley Jones is, for example. I think we could see her um, have some very, very impressive games, but also she might struggle here and there. But overall, I think she's one of those players that's probably going to be better fared in a WNBA offense than in college. Um, just not being the primary player that um, is so reliant on athleticism, I think that could hurt her ability to be a, as a cutter. Um, a lot of enticing things just with her tools and everything. So now let's move on to probably my favorite prospect, 
uh, the most fun prospect for me and M. I don't, probably you, Joshua. I don't know, but um, stealing my thunder. <laughs> J.C. Sheldon, five foot ten guard at Ohio State. Um, on AP All All AP All American honors this past season. Probably an AP All American this season, but um, I'll send it to you first, M. Yeah, I mean, look, I am going to make this my personal beat. J.C. Sheldon was is a player that I have been railing for as a shoe and lottery pick since I started looking at this last year. I never thought that I was going to be scouting her in this sense. I always had her on my list for this year, but I actually ran into her when I was scouting LSU point guard and uh, I guess actually current Indiana Fever member, Kayla Pointer. Uh, who I was scouting for last year's board, I had a, I was watching her against Ohio State in the, I want to say it was the Sweet 16 of last year's NCAA tournament. And the player that I kept seeing pop off the screen was J.C. Sheldon. Her ability to make shots from every level and just have an incredible shot profile, she takes nearly all of her shots at either the rim, the paint, or from three. That is the Mike Neighbors at Arkansas style of offense. She, over the past couple of years, she has shot almost 12% better than, uh, le- not league, almost 12% better than the nationwide average for guards. She shot almost 12% better at the rim. She's taken 10% more of her shots at the rim than the average guard. She's taken almost double digits percent more threes than the average guard and also hit them at a really, really good rate. She's a career 35% three-point shooter. She's a career almost 85% free throw shooter. The, the, the stats kind of speak for themselves. And if you think the tape might tell a different story, you watch her and my God, her lower body strength is unbelievable. Um, yeah, all the indicators are there on tape, but also just the numbers as well. Super quick, tight handle, um, be able to get downhill, unlimited burst, unlimited counters. Um, they send her a double. She gets out of that. Um, but like like you mentioned, that with her offense being similar to Mike Neighbors um, with Ohio State, I think a lot of those principles, um, it's, it's a good scouting philosophy to see this player in. We're not seeing them run some outdated offense that we'll see with some college teams. So um, I think that makes her interesting. Um I, I don't know wh- where the consensus is. I don't ha- where have you guys seen her um, overall so far? Yeah, like for me personally, like I, I'm intrigued to watch her more this season and everything to see the, the lottery hype both of you have and everything. I have late first round, early second round for me and everything. Like I love players <laughs> that um, stuff the stat sheet and contribute in multiple ways and everything. Uh, watching her film before this, uh, like I love her passing too. Um, but yeah, like the potential is definitely there. Uh, I'm excited to see, uh, her senior campaign, what she's able to offer and everything. And she's another player like Diamond Miller, who's had these contexts change over time. She's mostly played with the same roster over her few years, but the big change was from her sophomore year, which was very good in its own right. She was playing the two, she was basically playing interchangeably the two and the three alongside another top recruit, five-star recruit in her class named uh, Madison Green, who actually, after that sophomore season, was thought of as probably Ohio State's best player. 
Madison Green suffers an AC, I believe it was an ACL tear late that sophomore season. Ohio State brings in Taylor Mikesell, basically kind of a wing, mostly just a, mostly just like a dynamic shooter, at least at the college level. And Sheldon suddenly is tasked with a lot more playmaking, a lot more creation, and a lot more scoring responsibility this past year. And boy, she delivered. Madison's Green, Madison Green is coming back this year, and I'm really excited to see how those two players, both prospects, play off each other. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. Um, that backcourt is going to be super fun. Um, so where are you guys at on her defense? I think that's probably the worst area, and that can probably decide if she, between being um, closing, I feel like she could still close lineups. It's going to rely on like a better context, kind of similar to Kelsey Plum, but she's got more size. Um, where are you guys at on that, her defense in general? And that's one thing, honestly, like in, in watching that had me pushing her a little back and everything. And again, things like fixable things that you can work on during the off season and everything. And just excited to see what she's able to bring to the table. Like you mentioned, she's going to be working with a full lineup. I think Ohio State is really loaded this season and everything. It's going to be more fun for her to play within herself instead of having to um, overemphasize and help the team in multiple areas and everything. I will say for as optimistic and as really as gung-ho as I was in her offense, I am not nearly that optimistic on her defense. But the thing is, like, a scoring guard who has her profile, I think, has a very strong chance of translating to the league. And I think because of that, despite the probable lack of defensive value, has really strong or just really strong chance to be a contributor and a quality one who plays big minutes. And I think that speaks to what I think of the rest of the class, that someone with this profile is, for me, like a shoe and lottery pick, and there's not really a lot of people that I can see coming and challenging her. So as far as the defense, like I said, I'm not optimistic. She has the athletic skills, but a lot of the uh, just technique in terms of being able to keep her hips in front of drivers, being able to navigate ball screens, these are fixable issues but they're not good at the moment. She seems to have decent instincts for help defense. She seems to be able to sink, be able to tag the roller, which I think will do enough to keep her on the floor if those are things that can translate. It's weird, though, because her weird movement ability is what makes her so special on offense, but that also hurts her on defense. Um, you need technique yeah, on defense. See- yes. Um, so is there anything else you guys want to hit on with any other prospects? I know we... Um, Outside those top four, we, there's there's been some players that have caught our eye in passing. Um, I know, M. did you want to cover any of them right here? Sure. I mean, you know, I have a bunch of players who probably like the 7 to like 14 range in this draft is completely up in the air for me right now. There's a bunch of players who can really go in either direction. I'm excited to see what Asia Blackwell looks like on a team that, you know, has a real quality starting lineup. I'm excited to see Madison Green back and playing alongside players who, you know, right now are playing just nationally competitive ball and are able to just be that good together. I think for me, there's a couple key players to point out. Jordan Horston for me, Mm -hmm. I don't even know what to call her position at Tennessee. She's technically playing uh, point guard, but she's way out of position. She's 6'2". Her position is like defensive wing playmaker kind of her 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 position is her position is basically 
The name escapes me right now. Who was the Storm's wing defender? Gabby Williams. Thank you. Oh my goodness. I cover the storm. I'm going to get, yeah, I'm, <laughs> this is embarrassing. Anyway, Jordan Horston's position is basically the, the Gabby Williams. If she can just cut down on her turnovers, her shooting right now is also kind of horrible. If, if one of those things improves, then we could be looking at a really good player. So she's right outside the lottery for me. Hannah jump. I'm looking at it at Stanford. I want to see what she looks like with more attempts, more minutes, because my God is her ability to shoot from 30 feet lightning quick release it's unbelievable yeah i'm curious oh yeah uh both of you are really high on jump and everything so i'm excited to see her get more minutes as well and everything like we were watching a little film and yeah that quick release is just astounding and everything uh i'm also uh really big on jordan horston and everything want to see more of the offense come together and everything but just like she's hard to fit into an offense she's really hard to defend that way too and game plan for and everything so just what she brings on the defensive side i, I think she's hands down a, a top 10 pick and everything um i brought her up earlier but i'm a huge fan of deasia fair's game uh coming from buffalo to syracuse uh, when she had her opportunities last season against major caliber teams like Tennessee and South Carolina, she delivered 25-point outings and everything and was intimidated and everything. So uh, I like her at both ends of the floor and everything, and <laughs> I might get a lot of backlash and probably will for a lot of my picks, but I, I really think she can be competing for uh, a top-five spot in the draft and everything. I, I'm really high on her game and everything and what she can bring and being able to uh, – bring that consistent competition in, in the ACC and everything. So um, one more thing really quick. I'm, I'm really interested in teams like Tennessee, Virginia Tech, South Carolina um, that have multiple draft prospects right now and then um, being able to help each other's draft stock uh, throughout the season and everything. That's going to be really intriguing to watch throughout the season. I will say on Deja Fair, I personally am extremely excited to be able to see her in person. Yeah, her, Deisha Fair and both Lauren Parker Lane, they just have the pleasure of being small, but you never know. They might, if they, if they put up numbers and they take their team far, I think that they, they could probably get drafted 100%. Um, Ow, that was a slight. I, you said maybe they could get drafted. Oof. We're going <laughs> to have some talks. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for making. Thanks for making Locked and Wins Basketball your first listen every day. In a few weeks, you can join the crew for a further dive into more 2023 WNBA draft prospects as we gear up for the college season. Now make your second listen, Locked on Fantasy Basketball. Josh Lloyd hosted number one daily fantasy basketball show on the planet. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Bye.